Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. About 20 years ago, um, my incredibly beautiful, very emotionally stable wife had a hysterectomy. And I, we had no idea what that meant. Now, we knew other people who had gone through that, but we, we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know what that meant, so we didn't know really how to prepare for what was coming. In fact... <laughs> Two weeks later, I boarded a plane for Cambodia to be gone for nearly three weeks, actually. And had we known, we wouldn't have planned that that way. We would have changed our plans, but we didn't didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. I'll never forget um, her driving me to the airport that morning. I never seen my wife so emotional. She was incredibly emotional. Now, if you don't know my wife, um, you just need to know that she is like the most stable, steady person I've ever known. And I've literally known her since I was 12 years old. Literally, I fell in love with her. At 12. And all those years I'd been with her, irrational, emotional, she's not. And that morning as we drove to the airport, it just seemed like to me that there was more than she was just going to miss her husband. You know that we're incredibly close. But it was more than that. When I returned home nearly three weeks later, I couldn't believe what I was was seeing. My very strong, emotionally stable wife was struggling. She was struggling with depression. Now, there were several possible reasons for her depression. Um, we had just moved into a, to a brand new house. I was, the, uh, I was the builder. I was the general contractor. I subbed everything out. You can only imagine the stress that, uh, that goes with that. But we made it through that. And we were in our house. We were broke. <laughs> but we were in the house. She had a nephew that, that died suddenly. And, as I already told you, she just had a hysterectomy. So there were some reasons for her depression. Whatever the reason was, she was just super depressed. There were literally, there were literally days that she could not get out of bed. Now, you have to understand, Karen and I, we, we, we've been raised to work. That's what we do. We get up and go to work. If you feel bad, you get up, you go to work. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you feel sick, throw up. Now don't you feel better? Let's go to work. I literally, literally saw my wife 
not be able to get out of bed. For the first time in our lives, we tru- truly understood depression. <clears throat> if you've never experienced depression, I want you to know that depression is not just sadness. I'm not saying that sadness is not a part of it, but it's not, it's not just sadness. I'm not, I'm not, it's, not, it's more than just discouragement. It's more than that. It's, there's a constant darkness that you can't escape. It's paralyzing. It'll stop you dead in your tracks, leaving you literally with no motivation. It leaves you, it leaves you with no hope. It, it paralyzes you. You can't, you literally, you cannot move. You can't get out of bed. It doesn't sound logical that you can't get out of bed, but you, you literally, you cannot get out of bed. And what's really sad What's really, really sad to me is that the church should be the safest place to talk about our feelings of, of darkness and depression, and yet often it's not. There's almost a stigma attached to it. <clears throat> I don't know I've ever necessarily heard that said from a pulpit, from a stage, but that's kind of the impression that's given. And, and Christians are supposed to be strong, we're supposed to be tough. And, and if you're really super spiritual, if you're praying enough, if you're in the Word enough, then guess what? You won't be depressed. We have defeated, Jesus has defeated our spiritual enemy. We're winners. And so often those people who are depressed and hopeless, they just feel too ashamed to talk about it in church. If you're one of the many people that's uh, fighting with depression today, I want to show you a verse that uh, I hope will um, give you a little bit of hope, but I'm pretty sure it's it's going to, Maybe make you angry. I mean, it's bad enough. It's raining outside. I woke up this morning. I said, really, Lord? I'm preaching on depression today, and it's raining? And, you know, I tell him all the time, you're not funny. Don't give up your day job being God. Just be God. You're not funny. So anyway, this verse, I hope, will offer a little bit of encouragement. But my guess is you're going to feel like that maybe it's a little bit insensitive. Proverbs 12, verse 25 Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. That's awesome. Gives us a cause, right? Here's the tough part. But a good word makes it glad. And isn't that where we struggle? Isn't that the verse that might make you just a little bit angry, a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute? And isn't that where, you know, we as Christians, isn't that what we try to offer people, just a good word? You know, we try to say, you know, cheer up. Everything's going to be okay. We try to offer maybe one-word solutions to a problem that has people to the point where they have no hope. So it's a very complicated, complex issue. So my prayer today is that somehow by the power of God's Word, not mine, I depend on Him Every single time, as I know Jonathan does, is that God will speak through us and speak his word. And maybe it will bring a little bit of hope and healing for somebody. And in case you're feeling really proud of yourself right now that you don't battle with depression, then don't. Because here's what I've learned. Depression does not discriminate. And if you don't have it, does it make you more spiritual than somebody else? Does it make your prayer stronger? Does it make you more knowledgeable of the Word? Does it mean that you can quote more Scripture? Does it mean any of those things? 
And just because you don't have it now doesn't mean that one day you won't. Because it doesn't discriminate. It's a complex issue. I've said this every single week. I'll say it the next two weeks. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I can tell you this that I've read and I've researched, and according to experts, there are essentially four root causes of depression. And I read that, and I know what I wrote. And I've got to be honest with you, there is so many differing opinions about the root causes of depression. For example, one website that I remember reading said there are 11 different causes of depression. There's another website that I remember said seven different causes. These are what I'm sharing with you this morning is to get you thinking, really, to process it, to dig a little bit deeper. And these are exactly those things that I've experienced. I've experienced personally with myself and with people that I love. So the first one is simply this. There's a biological cause. Definitely could be a biological cause. You could have a chemical imbalance. You might have some type of chronic pain that over a period of time leads you to a, a state of darkness. You might have a nutritional deficit. You might, you, you might have hormonal changes. We definitely experienced that with Karen. Definitely was hormonal related. You might not be sleeping enough. You might not be exercising enough. You might not be getting enough sunlight. There are biological causes to depression. It's a complicated issue. I read that there are also relational causes. One of your children might have lost their minds. And y'all know what I'm talking about. And watching your child, wouldn't you rather go through it yourself than to watch your child go through it? Wouldn't you, if you're a parent? You say, I'd rather take this on my own. So you're watching your child struggle through whatever they're struggling through, and you want to help them, but yet you can't. Maybe your marriage is falling apart, and you feel, you feel all alone and rejected, and divorce looks imminent. It's a tough place to be. So there might be some biological reasons, there might be some relational reasons, or there might be some circumstantial causes. Maybe someone you know lost someone close to them and they're struggling through grief. And if you've never lost anyone that's really close to you, grief is, is real. And can I just say that grief, you can experience grief in a lot of different ways. You can experience grief not just through the death of a loved one. You can experience grief through divorce. That's very, very real. You can experience that through the, a loss of a career. There's a lot of ways that we experience Grief, and we struggle through grief, and to try to figure out grief. Or you might have been through some type of trauma. Or maybe financially you did everything you could to hold it together. And you worked a second job, and you worked a third job, but you just, you know, in spite of everything, you just couldn't keep up until you filed for bankruptcy. And then maybe, maybe it was even something that appeared to be good, like you were going to look forward to retirement, and I've known people over the years, I guess, you know, as I'm getting older, my friends are getting older, and I'm watching people retire, and, and so they talked about retirement maybe for, maybe for a couple of years before they actually retired, and they tried to figure out how I can retire a little bit early, you know, can I just, can I give up this job a little bit earlier, I can't wait to finally not have to get up every day and go to work, and suddenly they were in that position, and they wake up, and they go, what, 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 what do I do now? I mean, what? what who, who am I? And what do I do now? I've known parents who raised their children and uh, shipped them off 
Some parents that actually kicked them out. <laughs> now they're alone. And they're struggling as empty nesters to figure out what's next. I've known, I've known couples that went through this and suddenly they looked at each other and they said, you know what, we've been parents for the last 18, 19, 20 years. I don't, I don't, I don't have a relationship with my husband or my wife anymore. How do we move on from here? So it could be biological, it could be relational, it could be circumstantial. And this one is not something that you're probably going to just find on the Internet. But here's, here's my deal, and I, I've changed this point so many times. Here's what I stuck with. It could be just real spiritual attacks. And then I put just spiritual attacks. And I put other things, and I came back to real spiritual attacks. Because if you don't, if you don't understand that it's real, you're going to miss it. And again, in church, for some reason, we leave you to think that if you're spiritual enough, then you don't experience spiritual attacks, but you will. According to Ephesians 6, we don't battle with, against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness that, according to John 10, want to... Steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to God. And just so you know, there is nothing more important to God than you. Now, I love nature. You have no idea. I love, love nature. I wish I knew more. I wish I was one of those tree hugger kind of people that could name all the flowers and the trees. I, I can't do that, but I can tell you this. I can appreciate and love a sunrise. Oh, my gosh, to see a sunrise, to see a sunset. And you've heard me say this before, that there's like no two ever are exactly alike. To be able to see the beauty, I, I know what it's like to just to wake up in the morning and walk outside with my dog at, you know, 4, 30, 4 4.30 in the morning, look up at the night sky, and it's filled with stars, and to go, wow, my daddy, my heavenly father did that. He created that. It's amazing, and to know that, it is by His strength and by His mighty power that not a single one of them is missing. And then I can, I can just look up at a blue sky. I am so blown away by just a, a beautiful blue sky. Anybody else? I mean, it's, that color blue is the most be unbelievably beautiful blue in the world, isn't it? And then to think about that, Holy Spirit will whisper to me and He'll say, if you think that's something, just remember nothing is more important to Him. Nothing is more important to me than you. Oh. Depression doesn't discriminate. There are real spiritual attacks. There's no one size fits all, and I'm just a pastor. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you from a, a spiritual perspective and I'm acknowledging that this is a complex issue and really I hope that maybe all I do is just get you thinking and please 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 if you're struggling call the church let us let us find someone that we can refer you to another professional counselor please please get help as difficult as this subject is to even talk about on a Sunday morning we have to and I want to encourage you to get help this morning I want to show you an Old Testament prophet who was like super depressed and in case you're brand new to church or you don't know, prophets spoke on behalf of God, so he represented God. So this is, this is a prophet. This is the man of God. This is the man of God. Listen, this is a man who had a very deep, a very committed faith. Y'all with me? <clears throat> so he, he loved God. <clears throat> he loved God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. <clears throat> his call in life. He had a call in life. 
And yet this man, with a deeply committed spiritual faith, struggled and found himself in a very deep, dark, desperate place. This morning we're going to look at the prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations 3. I want to give you a little bit of context because you know what I found? I found that it's really easy to be judgmental of someone else until you've walked in their shoes. I found that it's really easy for religious people to judge someone else unless they've experienced the loss or the devastation that that person has experienced. So context, I think, really means everything. So if you've been in church, or maybe if you even haven't been in church, you've probably heard about Solomon's Temple, which was like one of the greatest tributes to God in the history of mankind. And it stood for like 400 years before it was tragically destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. And Jeremiah saw that destruction. We don't understand the implications of that. It would be more than just if something happened to Springwell and it burned down overnight. It would be more than that. And for these people, it was where it represented the glory of God, the power of God, the presence of God. That's what it represented. So for those people, it was where they met with God. It's, it, it reminded them. It was, it was an incredible structure that pointed to the glory of God. That's why people loved it so much. And so you have to understand, when that was destroyed, then it was like, where is God's power? Where will his presence be? Where will his glory, uh, where will his glory rest? And so it was a big deal for this temple to be destroyed. And then Jeremiah would have also witnessed family members and friends that would have been killed, people that he loved. They would have died. So he's dealing with grief. And then for those who didn't die, those family and friends who didn't die, then the others were just, they were just taken captive. And they were hauled off to a foreign land. He saw all of that, and he was overwhelmed with depression. Now I want you to watch the descriptions of this man who found himself for a moment without hope. Did you get that last part? I said, for a moment, without hope. Now, in case you think I've stretched that, let's look at his own words. Lamentations 3, he said, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day Long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. And this next phrase is so familiar to me. It, it describes how I have felt at times in my life. He has weighed me down with chains. Any, anybody ever experienced that? That you've been so overwhelmed by life, you literally feel the pressure, you feel the weight on your shoulders, and as you've tried to navigate through the day, physically walk through the day, you can feel physically the pressure. It's like you're dra dragging around these big, heavy logging chains. He said, even when I cry out, I call out or cry out for help. You're not listening. You, you shut out my prayers. 
Then he says this in verse 17. Oh. He says, I've been deprived of peace. Does that make any sense to anybody? I, I know what I've prayed for so many times. God, you know what? If you don't, if you don't fix the circumstance, I think I can handle that, but you've got to give me peace. If, you, if you'll just give me some peace. He said, I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is, and I say, I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wondering, all, <clears throat> and my wondering the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. And that is the prophet of God. That is the man of God. That is the man who has a calling on his life. He has fully surrendered his life to speak on behalf of God. And here's a man that is overwhelmed with depression. He feels like he has no hope. So as we look at his story, there's two things, there's two things to remember when you're battling depression. And the first thing that I really want to help you to remember is this. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. Your emotions are valid. You know, you know one of the things I love about the Bible? I love about the Bible because it, it tells the truth. I mean, you got to admit, I mean, really, honestly, you got to admit that if you were like, you know, trying to promote something, trying to grow something, you probably wouldn't want to have, in fact, they do it all the time with testimonials, right? Well, they put out the best testimonials, how, you know, I won, you know, I tried this product and I lost 100 pounds. I tried this product and wow, you know, I grew hair. I tried this and this happened. You don't have anybody on there saying, well, you know, I tried it. I ain't got a sprig on top of my head. You know, I mean, you, you don't have those kind of testimonies. So it would appear as though, why would God do such a thing? I think it's beautiful to know that the Bible, the greatest heroes of the Bible come clean and they, report, they record their honest emotions of discouragement and despair. And I, what I love is that oftentimes they blame God. I, I guess I love that because I blame God too. Hello, anybody else? Thank you. Some of y'all scared to death. Raise your hand right now. You're going to. You're kind of giving me a half. Yeah, there's been times when I blame God. You think, well, that's dangerous. Yeah, it is. But that's how hopeless you can become. They feel abandoned by God. And I just think that it just goes to prove that our emotions, our emotions are valid and our emotions are real. In fact, naming those emotions, I'm going to say some stuff, uh, other uh, people of faith will completely and totally disagree with. But naming those hurts, naming those emotions are an, apart, an important part of healing. In fact, experts say that one of the ways to heal is literally by naming your emotions. Now, there's, there's a faith camp out there that says, oh, no, you're speaking death, don't say it. In other words, if you're depressed, you would never say, I'm depressed. And, and I've heard a, a really good friend of mine say this, if you have cancer, you never speak that you have cancer. You're speaking death, you're speaking life of that, you never speak. What I've often wanted to know is, have you read the Bible? Have you read the words of Jeremiah? Have you read the words of Elijah? Have you were, read the words of the Apostle Paul where he said, I despaired even of life? What I love about the Bible is that we can express it. And until we do express it, 
We're not going to find healing. So if you're hopeless, guess what? I think you need to say you're hopeless. That's tough sometimes for Christians. It's tough sometimes for religious folk to say, I'm hopeless. That's how I feel. I'm angry. I am angry. I talked to somebody at the first service, and I loved it. They said, you know what? I'm angry. And i got to be honest, I'm angry at God. I go, yay. Like you didn't think he knew? Like you thought you were hiding it from him? You weren't. I feel hurt. I feel betrayed. I feel empty. I feel numb. I feel lost. God gave you those emotions. They're valid, but they're not permanent. When you recognize that they're not permanent, then that opens up the door that, so that God can begin to change it. And so because our emotions are temporary, we should never make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Let me say it one more time because somebody needs to hear this. Because our emotions are temporary, we should never make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. And not only should we not make permanent decisions, but neither should we draw permanent conclusions based on temporary emotions. For example, you should not conclude that all men are cheaters. Most men are cheaters. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All men are not cheaters. All women are not liars. They're not. All churches are not. All pastors are not. I think that one of the most difficult things for us as pastors to overcome is the perception that other pastors in the limelight on TV every week, on the Internet, have given the rest of the world that this is how all pastors think. This is how all pastors walk. This is how all pastors talk. This is how all pastors live. We're not all like that. We're not. So, never make permanent decisions or draw permanent conclusions based on temporary emotions. So when you feel lonely or afraid, or misunderstood, or not heard, you might feel like quitting your marriage. But don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. You may find that your second wife, your second husband's worse than the first. (laughs) That's that's a testimony right there. I don't know. I don't even know who I am right now. What are we talking about? <laughs> and in a moment, in a moment of an emotion that may fade, you make a permanent decision only to regret the decision later. That's that's my point. There may be times when you feel like running out the door and shutting everybody out and out and grabbing a big old bottle of Jack Daniels or whatever your escape drug is. But don't make a permanent decision based on what could be a temporary emotion. I 
I'm old, and because I'm old, we've experienced so much over the years. And I have certainly found that in the darkest times, you may not feel like life is worth it. And your spiritual enemy who only wants to kill, steal, and destroy may whisper in your ear that, you know what, you'd be better off. You'd be better off. Your, your family would be better off. Look at what you're doing to your family, the, the, the gamut of emotions, the, the constant upheaval. Your family would be better off. Your friends would be better off. Let me say this really, really loud and clear. Why, in the moment that may feel true, it is not true. Never, ever, ever under any circumstance is that true because God knew what he was doing when he made you. God handcrafted you when you were in your mother's womb, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. He made you. He gave you all the unique attributes that make you who you are, not just the physical but the emotional, the mental, all of those things. God handcrafted you, and not only did he handcrafted you, he's calling you to be in a relationship with him. And through that call, he wants to partner with you to do some incredible things in the world. Now, does God need you? Of course he doesn't. He's God. He can do anything he wants to, and he's going to do it better. But what God loves doing is partnering with, with fallible people like you and me, people that don't always get it right, people that mess up, people that, that fall apart, people that don't have all the answers. He loves partnering with people like us to accomplish his will on planet Earth. You, you are necessary. You are needed. So we're not going to make permanent decisions or draw permanent conclusions based on temporary emotions. The second thing I want to show you is although your situation may feel hopeless with God, there's always hope. With God, with God, there's always hope. I know. Sunday morning, what did you think I was going to say? It, it sounds shallow, doesn't it? Come on, let's be honest. I know. You're here and you go, shoot, do you got anything better than that? i tell you what. i tell you what I do have. I do have some scripture that we can walk through. Let's go back to old Jeremiah. What do you think? In fact, here's what he says, Lamentations 3. Remember this, verse 20? I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. So in the middle of his darkness, he speaks truth. And so he goes on for verses and verses and verses, like, you're not listening to me. Like, I'm praying. You're completely out to lunch. But then he says this. I love this, verse 22. He said, because of the Lord's great love. Oh, he says, but here's the thing, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. And it's interesting that word compassions is translated from the Hebrew word. They'll put it on the screen because I can't, I, you, you hear me preach every week. I barely say English words, much less try to get a Hebrew word right, which is the very same root word which actually means a mother's womb. Man, I think that's a beautiful picture. So what happens in a womb? Well, in the womb is a safe place, right? I'm reminded of that right now. My, my youngest daughter is, is, is pregnant. She, hey, may, this, this week may be the week. I may be a granddaddy by this time next week. Woo! Could you imagine if I was the grandfather of your child? Just pray for my, pray for my family. Pray for the child. It's going to be awesome. But when I look at Kaylee, Katie's big old belly, that sucker's huge. <laughs> She's not here, is she? 
Because I know her. She'd be mouthing at me right now. I know her. I know her really well. But here's the thing. I have the thought. Every single time I look at Katie, I look and I think, wow. So there, there is a live human being inside of there that God is growing and he's nurturing and he's doing all this stuff. And so inside that womb, that baby is safe and God is keeping that, that baby safe. And that's the picture that's right here. The womb is the sanctuary where, where life begins. And the womb, in the womb, the life is, is nourished and strengthened and protected. And it's in this womb that his compassions never fail. Then he says this, they're new every morning. Oh, I need, I need that a lot more than you might think. I, I, I'm a leader, and sometimes one of the faults of a leader is we think too far ahead. There especially was a time for me was I was always like five years ahead. I was always planning five years, and then, you know, I was planning at least six months ahead. You know, for this, I was always what's going to be, what, what's happening in the next six months. Sometimes when you do that with hope, you lose hope because you can't see that far down the road, can you? So his presence is new every morning. That's why I get up as early as I do. That's why I have that time with God that I do because I, what I need is to be reminded that his, his presence is, is new every morning. His grace is, is new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. His goodness is new every single morning. It, ah! And I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I don't know when, but in a few weeks, months, Years, I'm, I'm going to preach on gratitude. Because being in the moment gives me such an incredibly thankful heart and a grateful heart. He says this, verse 23, there new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I love this. I love this. Watch it. He says, I say to myself, you know what he's doing? He says, I've got to speak truth over the lies. I've been believing the lies. My emotions are valid. But i got to remind myself of the truth. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for Him. So in the middle of all His honest feelings and emotions, He begins to speak truth to drown out the lies. That's why I love His Word so much. You've heard me say it, I guess, every week. I'm like a broken record, right? As I take that truth and I write it down and, and I'll put it in places that I can see it. My prayer list, I have several verses I read every single day before I start to pray. I need, I need some things I need to be reminded of. One of, those vo- one of those verses out of Isaiah 41 just reminds me of how big he is because sometimes my circumstances can make God look really small. I need to be reminded how big he is. And that's exactly what Isaiah does. Jeremiah does. So what do, you, what do you do when the whole world feels dark? You acknowledge it. And you call it what it is. Then you acknowledge that, you know what, you need help. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Please, please, please get help. Let us help you. You might want to talk to a counselor. That's wise. You might want to go to a doctor. And maybe that doctor for you will need to prescribe medication. If that's what you need, please take it in the name of Jesus. It's wise. It's not unspiritual. You might need to change your diet. You're thinking you could have left that part out. I'll probably say it next week too. That's wise. 
You might need to get in a growth group. I, I, don't, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't had good friends around me over the years. I really don't. And you can talk as spiritual as you want to, but I've had people that when I was at my worst stuck with me through thick and thin. And they listened to me fuss and cuss and holler and say nasty things about God. And they listened. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't try to give me a prescription. Okay, here's what you do. Say this verse three times. Throw a piece of salt over your right shoulder. Click your heels together three times. They didn't try to do that. They didn't try to explain it away. They just said, you know what, man, I hate that. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Please, get in a growth group. Your feelings are real, but they don't have to be permanent. And with God, there's always hope, no matter how you feel. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe the reason that you're here this morning is you're overwhelmed with your sin. Could this we get gut level honest? Maybe your addiction, and you may be sitting there thinking, really, I don't have an addiction. We're all addicted to something. I don't, I don't know where you've been living. We're all addicted to something. And whatever that sin is, you know what it can do? It can draw you in, and it will absolutely destroy you. And you know what the lie that you'll believe is that you're worthless? How could God love somebody like you? Look at your pathetic life. And that's a lie. That is a lie. So if you've walked in here this morning and not a follower of God, why would I encourage you to become a follower of God? Why would I encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because He's crazy about you. He's crazy about you. And what He wants is a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. And you'd never be good enough on your own. And so what he did, he said, you know what? you got a sin problem. I'm going to fix the problem. And so Jesus, God's son, went to the cross. And on the, on the cross, he died. He shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. That's crazy, isn't it? That's his great love for us. Why? Because he wants to be in relationship with us. That's it. That's, there is nothing else. There's no other reason. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. And what he wants to do this morning he wants you to give him your life. I'm not talking about a 10% kind of thing. No, I'm all in. You ready? Like, and if you say, I don't know if I'm ready, well, is your life, I mean, is, how's it working out? You're doing it your way. Is that word out for you? That's, that's why you're here. I mean, you're desperate when you come to church. Let's just be honest. Like, we're the last thing on the list, are we not? You tried everything. Maybe you went to the doctor. You had you tried all these things. You've been in counseling. You said, I'm still overwhelmed. Because of the burden of sin. God wants to set you free from it. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one's looking around. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Why in the world would you not want to be? And you're ready to fully surrender your life to Him. Maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this. It's not magic in my words. It is the attitude and commitment of your heart. Maybe you would just say, Wow, God, you are awesome. Your love is more than I can comprehend. That you would send your son to die for me. Wow. Jesus, I... You're alive. I can, I, I can feel your presence. I know that you're here with me. You're, you're alive. And I just confess to you that I'm a sinner. I need you. My life's a mess. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And to the best of my ability, I'm fully surrendering my life to you. 
Thank you. Thank you for your love. Lord Jesus, uh, I have to admit, Lord, I woke up this morning and it was raining. I thought, wow, this is not a day to preach on depression. Lord, you know all things. Nothing takes you by surprise. Lord, for the broken people that are here this morning, I, I, just, I just want to speak peace. And that peace can only come from knowing you. Intimately walking with you. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the privilege to share that every week. It's in your name we pray.